This is Isabel and San Dimas, Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around San Dimas. I am Isabel in San Dimas, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to write a book? Have you ever wanted to get into an author's brain and understand the writing process, how they develop a story and come up with characters? Maybe it's just me, but I have always been fascinated by uh, literature and writing. Even though I'm not a writer myself, I just think that that is one of the professions that is so important to our world, to you know, producing written content, literature, um, and also something that I am not skilled enough to do. I admire people who can write. So today I've invited Dave Milbrandt to the show. You might recognize the name because he's a local to San Dimas and he may have even taught you at San Dimas High School. Dave Milbrandt began teaching stories in junior high and hasn't stopped since. When he's not writing novels or dabbling with screenplays, Dave spends his time teaching high school and college students how our government works, and his latest book, Fool's Luck, releases in July. I hope you enjoy our interview. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Dave. Oh, thanks, Isabel, for inviting me on. Glad to sit down and chat with you for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we met, gosh, over a year ago and, and I've been trying to find a way to to sneak you into my podcast. And I think talking about your new book is a great way to to get you in here. <laughs> hey, glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. So why don't we just start out by you telling me a little bit about yourself? I know, you know, some of my listeners went to San Dimas High, they might already know you. But for someone who doesn't know anything, uh, tell me about yourself. It was rather funny. I was talking with my wife the other day, and I realized that anyone who's a millennial in San Dimas, I know if they have been here as long as they had to go to high school. If they were here in high school and they're millennial, I probably had them or know who they are. <laughs> so I've been at San Dimas High for about 17 years now. Okay. I, I taught English. I've taught history. Anything in those departments I've taught. And I've been a college professor before that. I used to be a journalist. Uh, back before that. So this is, I think, my third career, if I'm counting, <laughs> which is rather funny is I try to incorporate some of that in my writing wherever I go, at least so far. I've had my characters dip their toe a little bit, or perhaps even more so into some of those careers, just because I know some of that background. Mm-hmm. So um, I was born in San Dimas. It's rather humorous that I teach at the high school, which is about a quarter mile, half mile away from where I was born, San Dimas community. I've lived in the Tri-City area here, San Dimas, Laverne, Glendora, all my life pretty much, except for a couple of years in college. Okay. And uh, that's sort of, you know, my background there, I thought I was going to be a reporter. I was going to write for Time Magazine and be famous and win some prizes or other. And, you know, life took a different turn. I went to school for seminary and I got a degree there and took another different turn. I taught college for a while. Uh, I had somebody ask me one day, you know, you're doing some writing here and I need someone to teach my journalism class. I said, well, that sounds like fun. I'll jump into that. <laughs> and I loved it. Oh, my goodness. This was great to interact with students and answer questions. So I did that for a couple of years, um, part time and then full time. Uh, I worked for a, a, the Daily Bulletin for about four or five years and I've done some PR work. And then I just sort of kind of ended up in education. It wasn't my plan to be a high school teacher. I sort of fell into that position there. And I've been doing that for about 17 years now. And so that's uh, a little bit longer stay than I expected, but enjoying the opportunity there. And it's been 
something kind of neat to really connect with students. I love high school students. Um, they, they get my humor. I, mm-hmm. my, my first language is sarcasm as I like to joke with people. <laughs> seniors kind of get that, thankfully. So mm-hmm. I enjoy juniors and seniors and, you know, all grade levels at the high school I've had a bit of fun with. So nice. Wow. Well that, um, it sounds like, like you said, teaching is your third career. I feel like we could do a whole interview just on like Dave's life story. There's a lot to unpack there. There is quite a bit. I don't think I'll bore all of your listeners there, but <laughs> it's always interesting to see how I've taken opportunities and then try to take what I had from the past career into the next one and, and use that a little bit. So uh-huh. it, it's rather fun. Well, so I didn't realize that you have taught at the high school for 17 years. And that's interesting that you were born at the hospital. Like All three of my kids were born at San Dimas Community. So we have a special place in our heart there. Um, but did you grow up in San Dimas or just um, locally in, in other cities? I grew cities? up in Glendora. Actually, okay. when I was born... I will not date myself. I suppose I will. The Glendora <laughs> Hospital, Foothill Presbyterian, was still being put together as far as the maternity area. And so my mom had to go to San Dimas Community. Mm. And so I, you know, I'm from the town of Bill and Ted, as we <laughs> always joke about natively. Uh, but I grew up in Glendora. And then um, we got married, lived in Laverne. Glendora, Laverne, then San Dimas. We've been here about 20, 21 years now. Okay. And... um to transition a little bit into your writing career, how long have you been a writer or considered yourself a writer? Now, all of us writers, we always have that. When I was a kid, I wrote a story story. Mm-hmm. And I did that too. A cheesy, a kind of noir, 1940s, Sam Spade, I think Maltese Falcon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I did that in junior high. I have a copy of it. I don't share it to others because it's way too embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, so 1998, I wrote the first draft of my first novel in five weeks. I thought it was brilliant. I was absolutely wrong. <laughs> it took me 15 years to actually get it published uh, in uh, 2013 through Amazon's CreateSpace platform. And so it took me – I had a file of rejection letters 60 deep. Uh, I've been rejected by the best and by the worst. Some people wrote nice letters. Some people said, no, thank you. Some One person just wrote pass on the front of the thing. Don't even bother with oh, me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that helps the ego. Uh, and so then I wrote my first book. And I do it. I get some sales. And I'm, I'm never going to write another book again. I'm done. Not going to happen. And well, a couple years later, I write another one. Mm-hmm. Never going to do it again. And then I write another one. And then um, then the latest one came to me. Um, my wife and I were talking about it. And it's one of those where she's a fellow writer, which is really awesome. So we bounce ideas at the kitchen table, a dinner table like crazy. We're always mm-hmm. talking about this is an idea. What about that? What if somebody won the lottery and did something really good with it? Want mm-hmm. like run for president? <laughs> Bam, there's a story. Uh, she gave me another one. It was, was her idea. I'm giving her credit for it. Totally hers. Uh, the other night about <clears throat> a political thriller I might do down the road as well. So we bounce ideas. She's working on her own trilogy of books and then some other standalone books. So that's sort of how we roll around here. We met at a newspaper um, we got married a year after our first date. I know whirlwind romance, <laughs> uh, and 25 years next February. So we are, uh, fairly well matched together. Wow. Well, congratulations. Seems like uh, whirlwind turned into a lifelong commitment. <laughs> that's well, that's how we see it. Now we do love each other and we're well matched, which is nice. We both have that excitement about story and we kind of 
share and encourage each other when we write stories. So that's fun. Well, that is awesome. So so it sounds like you've been writing for quite some time. You said you kind of started with your first story in junior high, was it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And we don't talk about that one much. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you said that your first novel, it took like 15 years to actually get from your draft to publication. So I was wondering, you know, for you as a writer, what is the writing process like? Is it is it something that um like an idea comes to you quickly or is it something that you percolate over for like months or years and then, you know, develop over time or, or does each story kind of have its own life to it? Each story sort of had its own life. The first one became the model for how I tend to write, which is a lot in a condensed period of time. Mm-hmm. I'm a school teacher. And so, you know, those summers were kind of golden cherished months there. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the first one in five weeks. I thought it was brilliant, but I had to edit and take that 15 years after that book two, book three in the series, I would take a summer and I'm going to sit down and, you know, 60,000 words in 30 days. I do not recommend this. I do not (laughs) at all recommend this. This is eight hours a day. You have a couple meals in between. You write till your eyes go cross-eyed. This is not a wise process, but it's sort of how I've done it. I package and put it together. uh, And then I I send it to an editor and do the editing process and polishing and proofing and then get it out. This last one, I'm thanking COVID for it. It's the only good thing to come out of the pandemic, Mm. which is a lot of time where I wasn't at a work site and we had a lot of lag time. And I said, okay, I'm going to write the book. And I cranked out last year the rest of the novel that I had. It started, I think, about 10,000 words maybe. Uh, And then I cranked out the rest of the 50,000, 60,000 words after that just during COVID. Wow. Wow. So for you, it sounds like there was definitely a silver lining to the pandemic. A little bit, yeah. I just would sort of get in a mood and I would focus. And I would just sort of, the story would unfold. My wife talks a lot about this when she does her writing, that she sees it as a movie playing in her head. And I hadn't had that as much yet. But then this one, Fool's Luck, which is my latest novel, mm-hmm. that just sort of came to me and I would it would sort of tell itself to me as I was typing it on the keyboard mm. on my laptop. And that's sort of how it came out, you know, two, 3,000 words a day, sometimes less, sometimes more. And then, you know, packaging and putting that together. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I'd love to get into uh, Fool's Luck a little bit more deeply in a a couple minutes. But um, I want to talk, I'm really interested in this process of of you writing. We talked before I started recording, actually, that I'm just really fascinated by writers and authors, especially, you know, everyday folks who live in our community, and then turns out you're a published author. I just think that's so um, awesome. And you know, you, you mentioned how your wife's a writer and you bounce ideas off of each other. But I, one question I have is, where do you draw inspiration from? Like is current events or like, you know, history or I don't know, other books that you've read? Kind of what, what do you uh, attribute your inspiration to? That's a really good question. Uh, it depends on what elements of inspiration we're talking about. If we're talking about storylines, sometimes you'll see things in current events. Uh, sometimes you see how things played out differently in real life, and you thought, what if I did this to it, did that to it? My first novel, Chasing Deception, which I just re-released with a new cover, mm-hmm. which is exciting, um, is about two reporters following a religious leader who becomes a cult leader, and in essence, a madman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this one of those, what would this be like? What was this... What would happen here? So I kind of spun that out. Um, other ones, I, you know, second book, Undue Pressure, how to deal with a college campus and a sexual assault charge there. Third one was running about a person running for political office. Also, people are hunting and going after him. That was more of a thriller. 
So I, I sort of take a took a character and just saw where the story went here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have outlined completely where it's gone. Sometimes it's in this last one. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure where it's quite going to end here. And I, <laughs> I didn't quite know the ending, which was that was exciting. My writing style, though, when I look at inspiration, I look at some of the people that I've read you know, in the old days growing up as a kid. I was a Tom Clancy fan, John Grisham fan. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I'm picking people more like Charles Martin and Davis Bunn, who are uh, in faith fiction, a little more of an inspiration. Oh, gosh, Chris and Hannah's The Nightingale. Loved that story. Colette Sandy and The Kite Runner. Mm, um, some mm-hmm. other people that I see here, especially like people like Charles Martin, more contemporarily, uh, Colette Sandy. There's some of the poetry in the writing. And that's sort of come out in my latest one, where the writing is more flowing in that way. It's more poetic as a style. And I plan for uh, a new novel that I have an idea for. I got a kernel in my head for that I'll hopefully will germinate well that that's more poetic in style too. Mm. And so that's sort of, I've seen that evolution there. It's kind of fun where people say, oh yeah, your writing's different, mm. which is good. Uh, so I'm trying to grow a bit in that area. I like to challenge myself and say, mm, try to reach for that one. A little more literary fiction these mm. days. Don't yeah. know if I'm there, but I like the stretch. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. Also, before we started recording, we talked about, you know, your role as a teacher and how you're constantly learning. And and it also sounds like in your profession as a writer, uh, you're growing in terms of your writing style or changing over time. And that's, that's really interesting, too. To Have you gone back and read your first book compared to your most recent book and noticed the differences? Or do you just remember? Kind of- I do remember the differences. I have read some. I was reading over uh, the, my first book to do some edits, to do a little polish for a re-release this year. And it was kind of fun to see, oh, that's how the story went, and that's how it goes. Yeah, I forget some of the, the minor details in the in-between chapters and so forth. It's one of those I don't want to read my previous work, because I know <laughs> since it was self-published, there are possibility for a handful of errors here and there, and I want to pretend they don't exist. <laughs> so... That is a challenge here, I, and I, I am a guy, and I understand the difference, but I know some writers have compared writing books to, like, having children, and I understand the pain and suffering that you go through to develop it, and you put it out there in the world, and some people say it's beautiful, some people say it's ugly, and it's, I'm a little too sensitive at times, I think, to go back and fully immerse myself uh, in it, but it's kind of fun to see where I, I'll read through it, and I go, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that today, and mm-hmm. I don't want to change it, because that's what it was when I wrote it, mm-hmm. but my style is polishing and growing a bit. And I, I kind of like that, that it's getting a little better at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And your books, are are they all in a series like featuring the same characters or are they all individual like in their own world and universe? The wonderful question. I actually wrote the first three books as a trilogy. I wrote them as, indiv- you know, I wrote one book. I'll never write again, like I said before. They became a trilogy. So that was the Jim Mitchell novels. Same character in those three books here. And then the current book is a standalone piece by itself. It has some political elements to it, uh, but a different character. And I suppose a part I've drawn on some aspects of my character that sort of feed the protagonist. So there's a little bit of me, but I've changed a bit over the years, which I think then the characters have changed. So Miles Bradford, the new guy in Fool's Luck, he's a different character. And the next book I'm looking at would be a standalone piece as well. So I don't know sometimes if I could carry through another trilogy like that, that'd be a little bit hard to plan out. So I'm, I think I'm liking the standalone model a little more nowadays. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to start asking questions about Fool's Luck, but one one more just kind of fun tidbit. Does, has San Dimas ever made it into any of your books? 
Um, to a degree, it has. I fictionalized all the places and names, but uh, in book, okay, three. I think it's book three. Um, books one and three might have had a school similar to San Dimas High School. Mm-hmm. Um, the town uh, in the Jim Mitchell series called Emerald Valley might be like Lindor and San Dimas kind of meshed together with some locations and locales. Okay. So I want to polish it a little bit to modify a bit here. Um, but they're all SoCal located books. Um, my characters go to In and Out. Oh. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they know, to, know where to get good Mexican food. Okay. That's sort of, SoCal flair to it. They take the 10 freeway, not Interstate 10. I trade in particular because I know my area here. Mm-hmm. So it does have a SoCal feel to it. I try to keep that localized to this area so people that read it go oh i recognize the feel of that area Mm -hmm. yeah and and it kind of makes it uh feel more realistic i guess especially if you're from this area you know uh it's not like made up or or it feels like you're there possibly (laughs) right and i'm also when in my other books uh chase inception and also the current one fool's luck i've got the characters do some traveling so i say Okay, I've got to pull from my other travels or talk to some friends in other places to create as best I can those locations. When I go there, think of like a movie. It's got to feel like I'm actually in Chicago. I'm not shooting in Toronto like a lot of TV shows Mm -hmm. do. It's got to feel legitimate. So I try to get some details from friends or from my own travels to add spice to that or add seasoning to that to Mm -hmm. so the flavor feels right, if you will. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's jump into Fool's Luck a little bit, which is coming out in July. Uh, tell me, just in general, kind of a, a synopsis or overview of what the story is for this uh, recent book. Fool's Luck is a story about Miles Bradford. He's a high school teacher. He's in his uh, mid-40s. And on a whim, on April Fool's Day, he plays the lottery. He wins. And we're talking Powerball. So we're talking <laughs> almost half a billion dollars, knock out all the taxes, about a quarter billion. And he gets this idea without talking to his wife. He's going to run for president. Now, as someone yourself here, you're married, you got kids, you know, you need to make decisions with that <laughs> yeah. partner of yours before you do something foolhardy, maybe like buying a car, much less running for president. Right. So he's got to deal with that family tension there. He's got a He's dabbled a local, little bit in local politics, but nothing near the national level. So he's playing a different kind of game. And I had a friend who is a, who is a political consultant. He helped a lot on that. So it really was fun to kind of think large mm-hmm. about what would it look like a, a late can- comer to the candidacy. You know, it's April, elections in November. He's running as an outsider. Um, he has family drama at home. He's trying to be a normal guy who's a dad whose kids are graduating high school. And he's also trying to run for president. And what does that look like? And how does that feel? It's the first book I've written in first person. Like a lot of the YA novels tend to be the first person. I, as a high school teacher, I've taught a few of those. I thought, I'm going to try this out in first person. Mm. The I, the me, the mine, and see how that helps shape the story. So we're always in his head, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of an interesting tell. And I think I like the style. I might do that for my next book. Yeah, I'm I'm well, okay, first off, just your description of it. I read a, a description that you posted on social media, which gave me the idea to invite you to interview because I was so fascinated by the the concept. Uh, you know, just we, we recently came out of election season and we know how tumultuous that was. And, you know, then here you are. Uh, I don't know if you timed it, you know, if you planned it this way, but I'm like, wow, this is super interesting and relevant to what's happening in our world, you know. Um, um, and 
when you talk about writing it in the first person, I wonder for you, like if it, if that was how that was different from writing a book in third person, like if you were able to really put yourself in the character's mind and like, I don't, I don't know, even like imagine what it might be like as you were going through it differently. I really did. And it really helped me put me in the character's mindset there uh, for the Miles Bradford character to talk about how he's progressing through and how the character would do that. And I tried to separate it from myself because it's not me. I would never, ever, ever do something like that. <laughs> Just like, got a quarter, you know, a quarter billion dollars, let's run for president. No, I've got a bit more common sense. Daddy raised me a bit better than that. But I wouldn't, but I thought it'd be fun to imagine here. I didn't time it. For the cycle, I just happened to be writing it during 2020 mostly. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a fantasy to a degree because it I took out all of the issues that are relevant to 2020. And I did not put them in the book because I felt it would cheapen it a bit if I'm going to say I'm going to write a book that has racial justice in it or election tampering in it or some of the other key issues that came out or uh, concerns that came out during 2020. I mm-hmm. said, I'm going to leave those to themselves here. Those are good stories to tell. But this is sort of a take it outside that world here. And the character isn't political independent who joins a party because he has to to win. Mm-hmm. But he wrestles a bit with that, too. And I think a lot of us uh, look at the political arena and go, mm, I've got my preferences. I know how I lean. But those parties kind of bug me. And the way they act kind of bothers me. And mm-hmm. he had some frustration with that as well. So I think that might be fun and relatable to the reader or the listener. Those who might pick up the audible and might enjoy that part of telling the story that say I can relate to that character where I don't think all these characters are pure that are the puppeteers, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's really uh, a valid point. I, I I know a lot of people who look at our two party system and feel like they, they aren't completely represented by one box or the other. And how do you kind of reckon with that tension? And it sounds like miles has to do that during his presidential campaign. Uh, he does indeed and a lot of times i encourage my students like pick a party that's 75 percent you and just go with it grin and bear the other 25 percent because at least you'll get to vote and be part of it and that's the challenge here is he's saying okay well um i guess i sort of agree with these guys over here these guys and gals i don't know some of their stuff and there's a uh, i disagree with this. there's a funny scene in the book where um he's joking with them and he kind of calls them out on something and the room is quiet you have crickets basically and I think a lot of us would like to be at a point where we'd say, hey, how about you do this? And the room would go silent. You'd say, OK, I might have gone too far. In that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you so do you have um, a passage from the book, like a favorite passage or something that you'd like to read for me right now? Oh, goodness. I do not <laughs> at the point. I wish I did. Um, and that's the challenge. Because some of the parts that are most moving are the ones that are going to be giving away good plot points. Yeah, I had a <laughs> feeling. I had a feeling. I wasn't sure. It, it's hard to kind of cut a piece out without having the whole context and the whole story kind of leading up to that moment, huh? Uh, and it is, uh, you know, some of the challenges, you know, I'll, I'll weave in fun characters that I enjoy. Um, I'll weave, I usually pick students' names that I've mm-hmm. had or family members here. It's always fun to weave in a couple of the students in there that sometimes they'll see and they don't realize, wow, yes, you put me in there. Sure, why not? I need a character name. I'll pick you. I have, um, well, I have my nephew who's two, and I, I imagined him as a six foot something secret <laughs> service agent. You That's know, awesome. Like, uh, and so I kind of have a little bit of fun in the first uh, prologue where I tease a little bit of him about that. And I, I put my niece in there, of course, as well. 
Um, you know, I love to include other names there. It's kind of fun to come up with names there. I will tell you a fun story. If we want to talk about fun stories, getting into one of my books, a friend of mine said, I'd love to be in one of your books. They're like, okay, I'll name a character after you. What do you want to be? He tells me a dead body. Okay. <laughs> wow. And so I oblige. And I wrote in there, you know, so-and-so, you know, gangland hit, very messy, very messy. They never did find all the pieces. And he sends me a message like, gangland hit, very messy. They never found all the pieces. Like, you said you wanted to be in the book. <laughs> so I, you know, there were a couple of those inside jokes. If you know who was in there, you know, I have a little bit of fun with that. Mm-hmm. And and I think in, in this story, there definitely is a, the best parts to write with some of the the sarcasm. Uh, and some of the humor in there where I try to weave that in. Um, I talk about the ideas, uh, lofty ideals of politics, but also the everyday things that go on here. And so I would have had a quote for you if I would have thought about it. But I was uh, talking here where I did a little trailer recently for the book, book trailer, and I recorded that myself, although the Audible is going to have a professional voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the character is saying, you know, I got lucky. It's, some people say it's better to be lucky than right. Uh, what a load of malarkey, as my granddad used to say. And then the character was talking about how he's sitting around this office here. He's realizing that he wished he'd never gotten lucky in the first place. Mm. And I think that sort of is indicative of some of us that have these dreams. And we all have the dream. I win the lottery. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. But what does that dream look like? For research for this book, I found a lot about a lot, a lot of people who played the lottery and had horrible lives afterwards, lost the money, bankruptcy, broken marriages, Mm. uh, sometimes uh, ending of their own life or serious injury. And so it isn't quite the dream we all think it is. Mm. Wow. That's a a bit of a heavy message at the end. (laughs) It wasn't intentional, but it's sort of (laughs) think about how we act out this life here, how much that should change us really Mm -hmm. or not change us. Or maybe maybe it's even the idea that, you know, we're constantly dreaming for something that we, we perceive to be better when, you know, we could really be quite happy in our current situation. And maybe that thing that we think we want isn't going to make us happier. Oh, absolutely so. And the character also goes through a religious struggle as well, trying to struggle with religion and how he's seen disappointment in his life and that faith doesn't match up to that. And sort of the end of the book, try to seek a message of hope and I'm a fan of some of the classics, and I remember The Count of Monte Cristo uh, from high school. And the, the last two words that Edmund Dantes thinks of are wait and hope. And so I kind of emulated a little bit of that as kind of an homage to mm-hmm. Monte Cristo. I doubt anybody will get the homage, but at least I did when I was typing it on the keyboard, mm-hmm. that, that there is maybe some hope out there despite some of the challenges that we face mm-hmm. and the struggles that we go through. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Um so can I ask, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but does Miles become president? Ah, uh, You'll you let me ask. read the book. <laughs> and you want to find out, it would be great to read the book. Um, and I think the question is, though, whether or not he becomes president, does he win? The, the question that I ask is, what's he willing to lose in order to win? Mm. And is it a victory uh, if he's going to win on election night? And that's going to be a spoiler there, so I won't give it away. Okay. Uh, but what is it worth it? Is the entire thing worth it? You know? Some of us think about doing politics maybe at the local level, but the national level, oh, we think it's bad locally here. Nationally, it is cutthroat. It is horrible. It is every person for themselves, and usually some are left on the side bleeding and wounded, Mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking, hopefully at least. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think that we get these grand visions that one person is going to change the world, and how much are we change 
by trying to do that? How much do we have to give up to get what we think we want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, you talk about some big, uh, big important questions. And now you're making me want to read the book or at least listen to the audio version because, as we said, I, I don't have a lot of time to read these days. But I, I am really um, intrigued by by this particular novel that you wrote and, and hope that I can get a, an audio version of it very soon. <laughs> and that's hopefully what we're going to be able to do, which is what I love about working with a publisher this time. I've done a traditional publishing only once, this book. The other ones have been independently published. Mm-hmm. That's another story in and of itself with the challenges where you do all the work on your own. A traditional publisher, one of the things they're asking about, okay, let's get an audio book. So I have a, a friend who's a voice actor. I said, we're going to get this guy, and he's really good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to having that avenue to access for that my readers can access when they want to pick up the book there. Otherwise, they can get it in print or Kindle as well. But having different options for readers and avenues for readers to kind of get into the story or listeners, as we might say as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So if anyone's listening to this and they want to learn more about your book or get a copy somehow, how can folks uh, follow Fool's Luck and make sure that they order their their printed or audio version? Hey, we like to give you opportunities here as well. Feel free to log into DaveMilbrandt.com. Go on to Amazon, type Dave Milbrandt in. I'm there as well. Um, and you can easily get a copy through Amazon here. I know some other outlets are going to be putting it out as well. But Amazon tends to be the easiest, quickest one here. Then you can get the Kindle version, the print version, pre-order. July 13th, it releases. On the 27th of July, we've got a book signing slated for Butter Cafe and Bakery. Uh, right around the lunch hour there on the 27th of July. So if people want to come out and get a signed sign copy, I'll have a big Bradford for America campaign <laughs> sign. I actually got one from a, a printer. So I'll have a Bradford for America campaign sign. You can find me there. Uh, I think it's red, white, and blue, if I'm not mistaken. As That's I awesome. I Can you oh. send me a picture of that? I just want to see the sign. <laughs> oh, I will be happy to send it to you. I've got a sign. I've got a mug. I've got a cap. Um, I have bought some merch here to kind of help promote it as well. That's awesome. But, uh, and I'm really doing that too. This is about promotions and developing this story here and getting people excited about it. So hopefully that will help out with that. Nice. It doesn't say make America great again, does it? <laughs> is uh, that... <laughs> no, it does not. Uh, let's see, a, a common man with an uncommon plan, Ooh. which was a slogan from the book. And like, I put it right there on the sign and it looks like a legitimate campaign sign. I've worked enough campaigns to know to say, this is like a real campaign sign. That's so awesome. Engage people. <laughs> Yeah, you, you you should um put it up around town like during the uh the next election, Bradford for San Dimas or something. Yeah, you know the idea of Bradford there. Who's this Bradford guy? I kinda <laughs> wanna vote for him. I gotta find him on the ballot. Yeah. You start confusing people. That's good. Oh, oh good. Then I'll, then I'll get charged with a uh, voting fraud or electioneering <laughs> or some other uh Vote tampering there. I, I don't think I want that, Isabel, but I appreciate it. Okay, don't, don't do that. Okay, here's a better idea. Get your copy of uh, Fool's Luck j- before July 13th and go meet Dave at Butter Cafe. Was that July 27th? July 27th um, is the lunch hour. Yep. Yeah, support our local business, support our local author, um, and, and read this uh, interesting, thought-provoking book. I, I look forward to reading it very soon. 
Awesome. Thanks, Isabel. Appreciate the time yeah. to get to hang out with you today. Yeah. Wait, I, before you go, one last question that I ask most of my guests. And, you know, for me, we, we mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're a high school teacher. Probably most anyone who went through Sandy Miss High knows you as a teacher. Um, we've talked today about a, a fun fact that you're a writer, but I'm wondering if there's any, any other fun personal tidbits about yourself that you want to share with the listeners, because I, I assume you have a lot of fans and people might listen to this and, um, What's something that you can share that might entertain folks tonight? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, let's see here. Um, I suppose that I am a big fan and buff of British television and Commonwealth <laughs> TV. I know it all. I have BritBots. I have Acorn. Uh, and so I get my inspiration for writing from America and across the pond. So I, you know, you'll start talking down to Nabby. I'm like, I can go three layers deeper than that. Oh, for you. wow. That's great. So, <laughs> yeah. So I like to take a look at different entertainment from, from elsewhere and get inspiration and some ideas. So it's kind of fun to see. And I'm afraid to say, I think at times Commonwealth or British television is a bit better written than American stuff. We get mm. away on the sly a little bit easy. They have to work for it over there. You know, now that you mentioned the British stuff, I know that like Brits have a unique humor and you're talking about your sarcasm. I wonder if that's kind of why you're you're drawn to to British television. It wouldn't surprise me. Some of their dry wit, I, I do appreciate. Yeah. And some of the one-liners that uh, may be British inspired, I, I will not lie. So. <laughs> Uh, but I'm inspired by good writing wherever it comes from. And I think that's the important thing for writers. If those who want to get into the writing profession, either part-time or full-time, be inspired from everywhere. There's no one that has the market on good writing. Mm. Uh, and I think you can be inspired by people as they tell their story, whether it's uh, a story that is factual or fiction, uh, dig into it. I mean, I'm a Kristen Hanna fan. And as a guy, they're not a ton of Kristen Hanna fans, but she's a really good writer. Mm -hmm. uh, Colette Saney, William Kent Kruger. I mean, I'm pulling up some other writers out here that I like here. And I really get to, I like to be moved by people that provoke me to think a little bit and to stretch my mind a tad. And mm -hmm. those are fun reads and fun things to watch too. Nice. Nice. Well, awesome. Oh, so I do screenwriting. I totally forgot about that part. Yeah. I'm working on a, a screenplay in my second book um, right now with a fellow screenwriter. I'm Got a couple other screenplays in my noggin that I'm working on, too, so I might venture in that direction, too. I'm kind of busy with the writing thing. We'll see how it all pans out. Yeah, you're a wealth of creativity, that's for sure. Uh, indeed, indeed. Hopefully the well doesn't <laughs> run dry. That's what I'm hoping here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Dave, for the, for the chat tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks, Isabel. Great chatting with you. I really enjoyed my chat with Dave, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. What would you do if, like Miles Bradford, you won a quarter billion dollars in the lottery? I don't know. That's a tough one, but I might do a lot of traveling, maybe buy a couple of vacation homes. I don't know. Have you ever wanted to write a book? If so, what would it be about? What is your favorite book, and who are some of your favorite authors? Feel free to let me know at my website, isabelandsandemus.com slash foolsluck, no apostrophe. Again, that's isabelandsandemus.com slash F-O-O-L-S-L-U-C-K. And let's keep the conversation going. I'd also love to hear from you if you end up buying the book and reading it, maybe going to the book signing and let me know your thoughts. A couple upcoming events in the city. Well, in addition to the Fool's Luck release and book signing, uh, the city is 
going to be doing music in the park this summer. There's going to be seven concerts from June 16th through July 28th on Wednesdays at Civic Center Park uh, during the farmer's market from seven to nine. You do need to pre-register. So I will put a link to that on my website at isabelandsandimas.com slash fool's luck. A personal tidbit about me. Um, I love to read, but ever since having kids, I just have not had a lot of time to read. So I've been listening to audiobooks, but uh, a couple of my favorite authors, I mean, this might sound silly, but I love Shakespeare. I took a Shakespeare class in college. And uh, not only do I like reading Shakespeare, it's way better when you watch it on stage. So that's one thing that I really love is going to like Shakespeare in the park over the summers. Uh, it's a little bit harder with kids now, but some of my fondest memories with my best friends have been at a park watching Shakespeare. Some of my favorite, more modern, contemporary authors include Barbara Kingsolver. I love her storylines and the themes, the strong women characters that she writes about. Another one of my favorite authors is Anne Lamott, who writes about spirituality and how it exudes our everyday life. She talks about the transcendent as well as the everyday. And I really love her stuff. She's such a great writer. Uh, she can be a little bit radical and quirky at times. Um, that's part of what I like about her. All right. That is it for me today. Thanks again for joining me. I am Isabel and Sandimas. And before I go, I want to encourage you to connect with one of your neighbors. If you love books as much as I do, uh, you've probably seen one of those little free libraries around town. If you haven't already been to one, I encourage you to go visit. Maybe bring a book from your bookshelf at home that you are done with and you're ready to pass on to someone else and drop it off at the local little free library. And maybe you'll find a book that is calling out to you. As always, you can find me at isabelandsandymiss.com. Feel free to reach out, send me a message. I love to chat anytime and I look forward to talking with you next time. Bye-bye.